Hello everyone and welcome to the Giant Brain Lecture Theatre. I'm Ian McAllister and I'll be your interviewer tonight. Over the last few years, my guest tonight took a small gathering of friends in his house and grew it into one of the staples of the UK convention calendar. Although it may sound like a gathering of air conditioning salesmen, Aircon has gone from strength to strength and has just completed its seventh year. Well, it's the eighth event. Well, it's the ninth if you include Aircant, but we'll get around to all of that. One day I'll actually manage to attend the event myself, but for now I'm delighted to welcome Mark Cook, head honcho of the Aircon convention, to the stage. How are you doing, Mark? Good, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's a real delight to have you on. We've had you on the cast many moons ago in the early days of the cast. Uh, we're delighted to have you back on to talk about uh, Aircon and conventions. So how did Aircon 2022 go? Uh, as far as I can tell, as you know, pretty good. Uh, everyone seemed to enjoy it. We've been getting, we always do an annual survey or a post-event survey and the results so far look like everyone had a good time. And yeah, I think people just really enjoyed sort of seeing each other again, seeing people they'd maybe not seen for a couple of years. Um, I said to a few people that what's quite interesting after, after so long away is like, there's people that you see that you're not necessarily forgotten about, but you're just like, oh, you just don't really ever see them anywhere else. And you're like, wow, it's so good to yeah. see you. And it, it was just a really nice feeling to see all these kind of friendly faces again. Yeah, absolutely. I've got a couple of friends down south that I, I see, I've, I've seen online and we play games online together, but I only re ever really see them uh, in the flesh at conventions like Dragon Meat and um, like UK Games Expo. Mm. So yeah, it will be nice to get back to conventions. I unfortunately didn't manage Aircon myself this year again, <laughs> but next year, next year I promise I'm going to be there. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So uh, it's my understanding Aircon started out as just a gathering in your house. So at what point did you take that idea and decide that you're onto something with the event and actually turn it into a convention? And, and um, so it's hard to pin down a point. It was some time actually uh, potentially from before that first one in my house, uh, <laughs> we'd gone to games expo that year. So that would have been 2015. I think I'd been a couple of years before as well, but there was just something about that year. There was myself and, and Ben, who's one of the other organizers that we'd gone and we just had such a great time and just loads of kind of real memorable experiences, you know, getting, playing Battlestar Galactica at two o'clock in the morning. And uh, we were sat somewhere illegal and got moved. And it was like this whole funny thing of trying to move the, you know, the board with all the bits on it and find it. We ended up sitting in some exhibitor's booth or something. I, I don't know, but it's just like these fun, fun things that happened. Um, and it was just really good. We kind of came back from, from that. And we were looking for something else really, you know, similar. And at the time, there, there wasn't a lot. I think StabCon was around and um, ManaCon and a couple of other bits. But sure, you know, it it sort of seemed fairly underserved as the as the UK. So we had already been running like a, a like a monthly board game night that was like a, a small event, and we just yeah. sort of thought, well, let's let's have a go and just see if anyone turns up. Um, and we sold out of that event. That was, so that was, uh, uh, so the first one was in July 2015 in my house. This first public one was in April 2016 that we built up to. We, that sold out. And then we decided to do another one sort of six ish months later in October. Um, and we'd already seen like. All right. So, so you, you see a two that year. Yeah. So for the first, the first three were 
each one was only six months apart. So it kind of went April right. 2016, October 2016, and then March 2017. So technically almost three in a year, I guess. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, but that March 2017 was when we made the move to the Harriet Convention Center. So I think we just sort of picked up that it was something that people really wanted. And, uh, we were fortunate enough to know, uh, some of the traveling man team who, who have, they have four stores around the north of England. And, um, they already sort of were involved in a more of a comic book or sort of graphic, um, arts convention called Thought Bubble. Um, okay. So we spoke to them and said, well, you know, do you fancy maybe trying to start up something for the board game side of things? And thankfully they were, they were up for it. And, <laughs> and that kind of gave us a bit of the, the backing to be able to, to take that big step because the, the church hall that we ran it in for the first couple of public ones cost us about a hundred quid or something, um, <laughs> yeah. to rent for the week. That first one at the convention center, I think was somewhere near, 10,000, eight to 10,000 pounds for the hall for the weekend. So it was a big jump and a big risk, but, um, and we kind of feel like there's been a few of these sort of moments. The first one was when we decided to just run it as a public event. Um, and then that move to Harrogate was one. And then when we moved from that hall, which was hall D down into the big hall that we we've used for the last few years was another moment. And I think we kind of feel like as a team, we're on another one. Now we're about to look at some larger halls at the other end of the convention center. And but every time we've kind of made that leap, it's people have responded really well and we've been able to, to just carry on and see the growth. So it's good. Yeah. I've heard nothing about, about good things about aircon over the years <laughs> and yeah, absolutely itching to get down to it myself. Yeah. Would you ever, would you ever consider going back to like the, more frequent ones like a, a two in a year or are you or sort of set on like doing it annually now um i think it comes up every now and again as a conversation i think at, at this point where we are with you know we we still all have full-time jobs and um mm-hmm. i mentioned to you just before that we're, we're still doing it on a voluntary basis sure. um so i think to add in a second one <laughs> might be a bit of a strain on <laughs> on our friends and family um yeah but we have talked about it so at some point in the future we maybe even would look at a different location as well you know i think there's still a few parts of the uk that are slightly underserved and so we might be able to just sort of use what we've learned and some of our resources to to, to look at doing something else but yeah we'd have to just look up the time we had available i think is it something you'd want to do professionally in the end, like do, do as your full-time job? Uh, yeah, I think um, it'd be certainly interesting to explore. I think um, it's quite unusual, I would say, for people to do it full-time. Um, sure. The, the Games Expo, you know, Tony and Richard, they, they do. But from what I've heard, even some of the bigger conventions, a lot of the staff are, you know, almost contracted and they'll only do it for a certain amount. You know, for certain yeah. months in the year and i was sort of just reflecting as well like what's quite unusual is you don't see many conventions between the sort of three four thousand attendee mark and then the 20 something thousand so there's this whole kind of yeah. middle swathe and i think what it probably is is it's just it's too much work to do on a volunteer basis when you're in that middle section uh and it's, yeah yeah but it's not big enough to really be be able to be paying loads of staff so that difficult sort of middle bit, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, there's lots of challenges, you know, if, if you suddenly rely on it for your income and something like the last couple of years happens, um, <laughs> it can become yeah. very challenging. 
But I think if if there was a possibility to do more, I th- we've all come away from having run this, you know, 2022, and we're all really energised, got loads of ideas for next year already, you know, within within a couple of days, we were already on like, well, what else can we do? And starting looking at various different things and already starting conversations about next year. So we all really love, love doing it. And so I think if there was a way, we'd probably, we'd probably go for it. Great. Yeah. You've, you've managed to secure some pretty big guests uh, year after year, including Rodney Smith and others from the Watch It Played team. How did that particular collaboration come about? And do you personally have any dream guests you'd like to have along at the show? <laughs> so the Rodney Smith thing was, it was just quite unusual. Like I'd, I'd always been a fan of Watch It Played and uh, Rodney and I had chatted a, a few times, you know, just, just in comments and exchanged a few emails and things like that. Um, and, and so at some point, I think I was sort of, I, I, I always, <laughs> I'm sort of thinking a few years, a few years ahead. So even when there's a story of when, when we first went to the convention center and they were showing us this whole D, which was the first one we used, and then they started showing us other bits and I was already going, well, next year we'll fill this one. And then the year after that, we'll have these two walls. <laughs> <laughs> and they're going, no, slow down, slow down. And so I think with Rodney, what I was actually thinking was probably two or three years. Uh, into the future and thinking, well, if I start a relationship now and start this conversation now, at some point we might be big enough for him to come over. But to my surprise, he was just really up for it. He, he had a lot of questions around what our goals are as a convention and, and what it is that motivates us. And I think he just found that that really sort of uh, synchronized with what he wants from watch it played. And in terms of making a a welcoming and inclusive space, uh, he does it through his videos and trying to, get people into the hobby that way and we that was really our aim with the convention and so yeah we just found it was a really good fit and so he came over that first year had a really good time came back the year after <laughs> and had a really good yeah. time and it was really nice just hanging out with him he he stayed with us here in our house and for a few nights beforehand and we just got to know each other and you know and and struck up a friendship and i think still yeah still going strong fantastic and any, any dream guests you'd love to have along? Anybody you've got in mind for two, three years down the lane? Um, I don't know. Like, there's, it's, it's kind of funny in the UK because obviously a lot of the people that we think of are abroad somewhere. You know, a lot of the designers are over in, in Europe or <laughs> in America. We obviously have some amazing yeah. homegrown talent, but in sort of, in terms of world stage names, um, and a lot of the content creators and stuff. Um, we nearly did have Alex Horn from Taskmaster a couple of years ago, which I would, oh wow, yeah, I would have loved <laughs> to pop up. Um, there was when they were launching the Taskmaster board game, and um, all right, cool, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that would have been amazing. Yeah, that would have been really good. And he was up for doing like a sort of a Taskmaster live board game version. Uh, I think. Oh. Like um, I can't remember why it didn't happen in the end. But yeah, but they were. Yeah, I'll sort that out for next year when I'm down. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, uh, personally, I would love to have someone like yeah. Vincent Dutre over, but he lives over in South Korea, so that's uh, that's a bit of a challenge. But I find this kind of funny because obviously a lot of people that you think should be the big names, so some of the designers and stuff, you maybe wouldn't necessarily recognise if they were just walking. You know, it's not like a yeah, like authors tend to have their picture on the book somewhere, um, <laughs> but. <laughs> That, um, that'd think, be weird if we start putting designer pictures on the back of games. Like, I have seen it with a few, oh, certainly in the rule books yeah. sometimes. But it's yeah. kind of funny. It's like the, the people that are actually doing the, you know, designing these amazing things that we get to play with are, are probably 
not as recognisable about as some of the people that talk about them, which is kind of funny. So yeah, that's probably true. Actually, <laughs> I thought about it, but I got weird. Uh, so the convention scene in the UK was kind of on the rise before the pandemic, and no doubt we're seeing a lot of those events start to return. We'll see more spring up. W- Given you the way you've taken Aircon from a small event to the size it is now, what advice would you have for anyone thinking about starting their own event? <laughs> yeah, it's it's a funny one because there's probably a lot of the things we, I would say, don't do a lot of the things we did do. But <laughs> I have like a pre-written email and if anyone wants to uh, have that, I'm happy to send it over with some of the things I think worked well for us. I'd be hesitant to kind of give this is definitely what you should do. Here's your 10 steps to running a successful convention. (laughs) Because I think it's, you know, part of it is just knowing your kind of what your own goals are and your, what your local community is, is after. And that's what we did a lot of before we even did that first event was we went around a lot of the clubs and we got to know people and just asked them, you know, what kind of event would you like to see? And what, you know, what do you think is not, um, you know, not really catered for with the current events that we have available to us. And a bit of marker research. Yeah, yeah. But also just got to know people and, you know, we got to know all these different clubs. And for the first few years, we did big club listings. So it was kind of like giving back a bit as well of, of you know, where, as people came, these are all the different clubs you could go to locally. So I say, you know, some of that, just make sure you kind of know what sort of event you want to run before you run it. And, and just have a good think about that and, um, just make sure you've got lots of help. <laughs> so I think for most of the year, it's fine. Like it's one or two people can probably just do it and think about all the things you've got to do. But when it gets to that, those kind of couple of months out and actual running the event, a really good and invested team is, is really invaluable. I think we alluded to earlier that obviously, like if you were doing this full time, the last couple of years, uh, have been absolutely horrible time for event organizers. Mm-hmm. Because there haven't been events, basically. <laughs> How has Aircon weathered the pandemic over the last couple of years? And do you think it'll take some time for conventions to see the sort of attendance numbers again they were seeing pre-pandemic? Um, so, I mean, Aircon generally, as a as a organisation, weathered it fine. Like I said, we we are not reliant on it for a, our income, mm. which puts us in quite a fortunate position. And we didn't, you know, we we were. Our, the venue that we use were very, very understanding and kind of, they weren't, we didn't lose any money from them and things like that. So, so that was fine. I think in terms of returning to pre COVID numbers, I would, I think it, maybe it would depend on the, on the type of event and kind of how many people they might attract internationally. Cause that's going to be, I think the harder thing is convincing people that it's a good idea to travel and to go to a large event. Yeah. So I think that's that's maybe where we'll see some effect. I think uh, we actually saw saw growth still compared to the the one before uh, lockdown. Oh, great! Um, we were up about twenty percent, but we still think that with the effect that uh, that it had on the last event, what this event is where the last event should have been, if that makes sense. So it's probably put us sure. put us put us back twelve months to two years or so, but. Um, at the same time, we're really thrilled that we were still able to run it and still have a great event. So it's kind of a, a bit of a mixed thing on uh, on that. Yeah, I did. Did you sort of try to get 
folks from Europe and and further afield to come along to exhibit as well? And did you sort of find there are problems caused by obviously Brexit and that that kind of sort of political situation that we're in right now? I can imagine that's making it harder for exhibitors to come over and do trade things. Is it, are you finding that's a problem with conventions? Um, I mean, we, uh, uh, the vast majority of our traders and exhibitors are from the UK anyway, and certainly right. the, the the sort of more independent publishers. Um, where we have had publishers come from abroad, I think what it probably is now is is just that people that are coming from the EU are under the same kind of rules as someone coming from the US, and obviously people from the US have travelled over to Europe for Essen and various things, Games Expo, yeah, for a number of years. So I think it's just learning. Well, these are the extra little things that we have to go through. Uh, we were um, Iraklis from Luda Creations, uh, so that he's Greek, but they're based in Finland. They were they've been over for a couple of sure. years, and then they were supposed to come yeah. back this year, but they ended up having to pull out. But that was due to a folk dancing related injury, <laughs> Brexit or anything. So you can ask him. <laughs> <laughs> I think alcohol may have been involved as well. So he broke his, <laughs> broke his ankle really badly, unfortunately. So, <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Oh dear. Yeah. So. Oh man. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's unfortunate. Yeah, um, so it'll be interesting when we kind of get to UK Games Expo and see, you know, see what has, mm. effect it has for them because I know they do attract many more, obviously, international ex- exhibitors. So I think then we'll see some more of that kind of international effect. Yeah, I, d- I do worry about that for UK Games Expo. I can't get to Games Expo myself this year, just not not in the financial cards, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Ho- hopefully, hopefully they have a good con. They seem to do a decent job last year. So yeah, that's yeah. good. Hopefully they'll they'll draw a crowd this year and it'll sort of return to its former glory. Alongside the, the sort of conventions having a, a horrible time in the last couple of years, there's been a shift to online for some conventions, uh, which has led to many calling for the digital side of those events to become a permanent fixture. That uh, call is especially loud amongst disability advocates, as many of those folks are unable to attend a wide range of cons with ease. Do you think the pandemic has changed what conventions are called on to arrange? Um, I mean, we've, I would say personally, we've not had a, a lot of that. Um, and even the digital, what well, or the online one we did wasn't really an online convention. It was us online telling everyone to play games at home. So, <laughs> so I, I mean, think that works. Yeah. I think it's probably more relevant for. Conventions like Spiel, potentially Games Expo, uh, Nuremberg, Toy Fair, where they're sort of showing off new stuff and and it's like product displays and and things like that. And and obviously Essen is is really quite difficult at times to get around. I would imagine if you know if you're um, if you have any kind of uh, mobility issue or anything like that, just because yeah, the I've, crowds. I've, I've never been, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've never been myself. But I've seen the, I've seen the pictures, and uh, yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, so I think things like that, where you know BGG usually do an excellent job of they they have done for many years of showing off off the games and doing live recordings and getting them up online very very quickly. Um, yeah. So whether they just do a bit more of that and and make it a bit more interactive. Obviously, a lot of what goes on at Aircon is just open gaming and, and playing of games. So uh, that's probably a bit harder to to kind of run alongside the event. Um, although not impossible. Yeah. But. 
Do you think it'll be practical for those bigger conventions to maintain both a sort of physical and digital presence in the future? I think it, it can be. I think uh, as far as I know, Spiel are still planning on running Spiel Digital at the same time. All right. Great. I guess it'll depend on the take-up because obviously they'll still have to have kind of people and various resources dedicated to doing that. And yeah, if there's ways, I guess, that they can integrate it into their their normal uh, business and sort of ways of running things, then maybe maybe they'll still do it. And I think that would be great if they did. But I think it'll it'll really depend on obviously big companies like that what what they're looking for is some kind of return on investment or you know at least for it to be slightly profitable. <laughs> so. Yeah, especially when we're, we're talking earlier about those sort of like when you do take it to a professional level and you are basically a business and need, yeah, need, needing that return. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what lies down the road for Aircon? So what have you have you got any what plans do you have for twenty twenty three and beyond? Yeah, it's it's the funny one because we probably don't plan as far ahead as we should. Um because <laughs> because for us a big part of the what we would deem a successful event is is really the feeling of it and the community aspect of it. And it's it's much harder to plan for that. Like we we can plan for the numbers growth based on charts and various things like that, but um and predictions. Sure. But knowing how it's going to feel when you're actually there, you can't really do until you're actually there. So we have some plans for next year. We, we're looking, like I said, to we're looking at some larger halls at the other end of the convention center, a bit more traditional. The one we use or have used for the last few years is kind of banana shaped and it's got pillars everywhere. <laughs> it used to be a Morrison's okay. supermarket. So <laughs> it's kind of a bit of a funny, <laughs> okay, a bit of a funny room. But down the other end, more traditional sort of square. Sure. Convention halls. So we're we're looking at that. We're going to see if we can make that work. Potentially, we we'd like to sort of evolve. One thing we've heard from a lot of people, particularly that live in or around Harrogate, is that there's a real buzz when when Aircon comes, and because a lot of what they do at the convention centre is much more like corporate events. Yeah, and so that kind of happens. The people like so at the same time as Aircon this year, there was Skipton Building Society were having their annual conference or something <laughs> upstairs. So, but what happens there is they come, they have their daytime meetings and various things like that. They will then stay for a meal within the convention center. You know, they'll have their cater in-house catering, serve them. They'll, all their drinks will be paid for at the bar within the convention center. And then they'll go to the hotel that's attached to the convention center and then go home the next day. And that's the extent of their experience. Whereas what we've, we asked a, a question in our survey this year was like, did you go outside of the convention center? Did you go and visit any other local establishments? And it's a massive proportion. So like 75, 80% of people said they did. And so that's really good. The, the, the game store that's based there, uh, Games Crusade, they say that Aircon has been their busiest weekend for the last few years is when Aircon's on. Excellent. So, so we want to maybe try and uh, look a bit more at that. We're going to look at doing some sort of off-site events that not we wouldn't necessarily organize but maybe we'd facilitate and and try and make it a real you know festival atmosphere like i've heard that's a bit what like gen con is like when you go to uh, indie there and it just every restaurant has something to do with gen con and um it's just a real party like vibe i, I haven't been to yeah i haven't been to gen con for many many years but when i went it's they the whole the whole sort of central part of Indianapolis just had 
banners everywhere going hey board gamers role players come in here and eat our pizza or pasta or whatever it was it's you know the whole central area was just mad for it and it's grown three four times since then so it's ridiculous i can only imagine it's everywhere yeah so we'd love to on a much smaller scale obviously but we'd love to have a look at that and see if we can put some events on in local bars or pubs or you know i was thinking a couple of years ago someone organized a group to go and do the park run in the morning which i thought was really cool it was like a little great uh board game park run meetup and i think it's it's quite nice when you see so obviously everyone that is there probably has some kind of tabletop gaming in common and that's quite a nice mm-hmm. thing but then you kind of find oh actually we also like doing park runs or oh we also both like doing this other thing as well and you know getting those connections i think is really is really quite cool um, so the more we can do to facilitate that, I think, is 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 going to be good. That's what we're looking at. Did any of the attendees for a Skipton Building Society come down and play board games? <laughs> Not that I know of, but I had a really weird interaction with one of the... I think he was just a bit of an over-keen security guard um, because there was something... Ha- the hall that they had been using, we were going to use on the Saturday, and the convention centre were basically going to do turn that hall around for us between like two and five in the morning or something like that and uh so i had gone up there to try and speak to the person that was going to be leading that and make sure they were okay had everything they needed and uh i found out that they were actually working behind the bar um so i sort of stood there at the bar and just waiting for him to finish serving someone and this security guard came upstairs and just went can you go back down to the aircon please and I was like, oh, I'm just actually, and he's like, he just wouldn't even listen. He was going, go back down to aircon, go back to down to aircon. And then I was like, thankfully the guy behind the bar managed to get, get in and just be like, no, he's, you know, he's one of the organizers. We're just chatting about something tonight. And then he sort of went, oh, one of the organizers are you? Okay. I thought you were an, oh, what do you call it? An airconner or something. <laughs> I was like, well, I am, but still a bit weird. Uh, one of them nerds from downstairs <laughs> yeah coming up here trying to get free booze from skipton building society i don't know don't know what he thought i was trying to do um <laughs> yeah but so no uh, not as far as i know they didn't come down i think they were kind of interested because they had to walk through one of the entrances that we use and obviously saw a lot of people in and around playing games oh it's maybe the color converts on the way then yeah, there was one of the people that I worked with at PSC Games. Uh, she was in a hotel, and there, like a bunch of people, came back from the Skipton Building Society thing. I think between their meal and going back to go to the bar, and she ended up sort of chatting to them. They asked her a bit about what it was, what was going on, and then they were. They said they did some voluntary work for a, a charity for war veterans or something like that. And PSC Games happens to make some war games, <laughs> so uh, they they got. You know, chatting and PSC games have sent them some games to, to take down to this veterans meeting, which I thought was quite nice. Oh, fantastic. Can, can you give us a sort of like a sort of brief overview of what goes into like organizing a convention? Like you said you didn't plan too far ahead, but you must be thinking about it and getting some <laughs> things in place. Yeah. Uh, year. So what, what's the sort of like the sort of timeline of like putting things together? So it will usually happen bef- like over a year before. The event. So before we've even run one event, we're looking, we are looking at the, the one that's going to come after. Uh, we'll be looking at kind of the halls that we're going to be using and how we want them laid out. And we try various layouts, um, on CAD or, uh, you know, just using maps and things like that. Uh, from that point, it's about trying to book as many things in as we can, um, over that summer. So, you know, we've furniture that we have to source and, 
Um, our big lights that we have had for the last few years, make sure they're booked in because that comes from a wedding com- wedding hire company. So to make <laughs> sure <laughs> if there's too many like Adams and Claire's or something getting married, it's going to be hard to get their A's and C's. Um, so, uh, we have to put them in. Uh, we, uh, then usually start preparing for when we're going to release uh like exhibitor bookings which we usually do around games expo time so that's usually around june may june time which means that when we're at games expo we can we can start put booking people in uh straight away uh for, yep. for the exhibitors uh then it's sort of preparing for ticket sales to go uh live which is usually around september time about six months before and then you kind of have this sort of slightly quieter not loads going on, like some just stuff ticking over. We have to do things like plan events and looking at guests travel and things like that, but it's not, it's not that intense. And then, but the the thing I always forget is I always think that after Christmas, when we come back in the new year, I've got three months, but it's not, it's two months in my head. There's something that where I'm like, right, I've got January, February, March, but not, not really. Cause it's the start yeah. of March. So it's two like, a, and so then all of a sudden it's a bit like, ah, panic, get everything done. Um, so there's often not a lot, we, a lot of that has to be done at that sort of time. That's things like designing programs and, um, signage and all of these various things, um, maps and, um, all of that sort of gets done then. But it's also the time when people want to start doing like podcasts and, um, various interviews and things like that is all, all sort of comes all at once in a bit of a perfect storm. Yeah. But it's great because it kind of really gets you, gets you in the mood for, for what's about to come. And yeah, there's often lots of last minute bits, you know, people that aren't able to come or people that have got various questions because they're planning themselves. Uh, so that's usually the last couple of months is dealing with lots of those kinds of things and, and just getting ready to go. I think obviously somewhere in there, we put together a volunteer team. We, we usually put applications out for that roughly the same time we put tickets on sale um getting things like rpg submissions and um booking like funny things you know like food trucks obviously we have to we have to bring in and um things like we have to have a special person because the food trucks are out the back of the convention center and there's a service road that goes there and even though they don't let anyone drive down the service road when the food trucks are open we have to have a special security guard whose job it is to sit on that service road and make make sure people can cross it okay <laughs> okay like that's their job but like but yeah yeah so it's just things like booking that in and booking car parking sure. attendance in and, and various different things so there's lots of lots of bits all over the place lots of to-do lists <laughs> Yeah, I was I was very jealous of the pictures people are sharing for the of the food trucks over the weekend. Oh yeah, Aircon this year, I was just like, yeah, just wanted to be there. Yeah, I loved the poutine. Poutine was what I'd been after a poutine truck for years. I don't know why I had it. At some point in the past, I had poutine. I was like, this is amazing. Everyone should have it. And then really struggled to find <laughs> someone that did it as a thing. And then, but yeah, so they were really good. That was really tasty. Yeah, but I, I believe that's Rodney Smith endorsed poutine as well, isn't it? Yeah, he said it's pretty genuine. Um, I think the guys are Canadian and now live over here, so <laughs> I think it was all pretty, pretty good. Awesome. Uh, so as, as the con grows, as, as you sort of got plans uh, to to expand and and do more things with it, do you ever worry about losing that small con vibe that a lot of people say are one of the things they love about Aircon? Like that that sort of like gaming vibe is is very good, is very prevalent to them. Do you do you worry about losing that as you grow? Um, I, I think. 
no, we don't necessarily worry about losing it. We are very protective about it. And so it's more of a kind of a, a proactive thing. Like, like I was saying, that's the thing that we'll be monitoring every year and we'll be looking at yeah. the surveys. And if we get an inkling that it's starting to go, we'll potentially halt the growth or we'll scale back a bit or something just to, because it is, that's, that's more important. But like I said, a lot of people, I would say a lot of people would say that still about Gen Con, despite its size, that it's still, it has that community and that, you know, they get to see their friends and everything, but they maybe don't necessarily say it about Essen. I, I still have a really good time at Essen, but I don't think it's nurtured as much there. So, and that does very much feel like just a huge trade show. Whereas from what I've heard, I've not been to a, a Gen Con, but from what I've heard, it is still, there is still a big community there and there is still, loads of stuff going on so i think it's possible to keep it and i think we just have to be very careful about how we grow and what we do to to really nurture that that feeling i think fantastic well i'm pretty much at the end of my questions thanks very much for taking the time to answer them i'll open the floor now to our audience Uh, if you want to ask a question folks there's a little button down the bottom with a wavy hand symbol um uh, called show, uh, well I see it as show requests you might see it as request to talk if you want to press that and come up on stage and ask a question you can do or you can post a question in our lecture theatre I've got a question here from Gavin in the audience uh, Aircon has a reputation as being very welcoming and inclusive how how do you go about fostering that atmosphere um, I think there's a f- probably a few things we've done that's helped I think we've been very fortunate that uh, the people that uh, attend have, have also taken these things on. So I think things like having a really clear and code of conduct and, you know, kind of this is what these are the kinds of, this is the kind of behavior we like to see at Aircon and we try and make it very positive. Sure. Um, we, we employ Bill and Ted's law of be, be excellent to one or another. Yep. We, we always try and put ourselves in like, well, what's it like? You know, we, we've attended conventions by ourselves, um, or, or as a group and various different things. So we just try and put ourselves in the mindset of what, what, what would it be like for someone attending on their own? So just even little things like we put together a beginner's guide to aircon on the website, uh, tried to put together something that was like a travel agent's guide. So it was like, if you're here for one day, this is what you could do. And things like that. <laughs> sure. And we always, I think we just, it's just that we always have that as our mindset is that we want to make it a welcoming and inclusive convention. What are the things that we can do? So, uh, we have, we have something called Ask Carangela that was started in pubs uh, a few years ago, which is where if someone feels like they, uh, are in a, or if they're uncomfortable with, with a situation they're in, they can just go to one of the ticket desks and ask for Angela. And then that's a code for us to say, Oh, actually, this person needs some attention. We've never had to use it, but I think just having things like that help people yeah, absolutely. feel yeah. comfortable. Um, I think being able to work with a venue and put things in like uh, gender-neutral toilets, um, uh, being able to have, we have like our geek refresh stations. So that's like, you know, uh, various sanitary items and uh, deodorants yeah. and things like that. I think the we do try and put a lot of work into helping people find others to game with. So we used to have balloons that we actually stole off Frank from City of Games. That was his idea. And we we, we asked him beforehand, said, oh, can we just do the same thing? Because it's a really cool idea. Um, unfortunately, 
we, we don't do that anymore because helium's so hot, you know, is a bit of a limited resource. Uh, but we try and do other things. We, we designed a whole gaming, a game system that, where people can upload games that they want to play or sign up to other games and various things like that. Um, we have the flags. Oh, you've store. actually got an app of, you, yeah, you've got an app of some description, don't you, that sort of runs that side of things? Yeah, it's, it's just a web app. So it's, it's just a website. Oh, right, okay. Uh, but that runs our bring and buy. It's our library. Um, and like this game arranging system that's part of it, but we're always looking to make improvements. And like I said, uh, always looking at our survey to be like, well, where, where are places that we can improve and we can help people have a better time? Fantastic. Does anyone else in the audience have a question? Okay, another one from Gavin. I saw a post on social media of the Aircon crew relaxing and playing a game after the convention. Is it frustrating to put on this great event but not be able to take part purely as a gamer? Uh, it's definitely not frustrating. Like we, I don't think we quite knew what we were getting ourselves into. We we originally did put it on so we could play more games, but um, <laughs> but the reward we get from actually just seeing seeing everyone have an amazing time is is enough. Um, and we still a lot of us still get time to game together. So uh, certainly, oh, well, Ben's just moved over to the Isle of Man. Uh, but we used to meet up fairly regularly. Rick, who is one of the other directors, we see each other almost every week and game together. So we still have plenty of gaming opportunities. Um, and we try and make some time during, during the convention or, you know, like I said, afterwards, <laughs> I think while we were playing Sagrada, very, very tired game of Sagrada, uh, in the hotel afterwards, but it was good fun. Um, so. <laughs> Uh, I've got a question from Bez here, who's in the audience. Hi, Bez. Thanks for yes. coming along. Uh, asking which convention name out of the following has the most potential? Haircon, Bearcon, Bearcon, so B-E-A-R and B-A-R-E. Yeah. Both Carecon, Darecon, Scarecon, Chaircon, Wearcon or Staircon. Yeah. So um, this, <laughs> I was chatting to Bez on one, on her, I've uh, forgotten which show it was, Bez, Bevy, Bezzy Blether? maybe, um, earlier today, and we were going through these, uh, Bez was pitching these to me. Um, I think we had some concerns. You can go, I don't know if, Bez, you can maybe answer whether people can go back and watch that stream or not still, or whether it's just a, a one-time thing. Um, I think some of them we had concerns around insurance, uh, what the insurance companies would say. I think I really, I think Carecon would be up there as probably my favourite but I think that's more yep. of an attitude. I think everyone, that was basically at the end of it, everyone gave, <laughs> you gave each other a big hug. And I think that's, you know, I think we should all just do that anyway. Assuming both people are okay with it. Um, other than that, probably hair con. That was where there was professional hairstylists around that could style your hair while you were playing. And you could games. combine both. You could have like a hair stylish booth at Aircon. Exactly. Yeah. Your hair done. Yeah. I think, well, we came up with something for next year. <laughs> we came up with people would, the stylists would do your hair in a fashion that matched the game you were about to play. I think that's what. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, there's a, there's a thought. Uh, Hal asks, would you consider doing an event on a plane? And if so, would you call it Con Air? Yeah. It comes- After the film? <laughs> It pretty much comes up at every team meeting we have. <laughs> um, we did do an Airbus this year, so that's kind of... You know. Yeah, I've seen that. How, how, how did that come... Did you do that the last big con- last no. convention you had before... No, no. I feel like that was the first time this year, was it? First time we did it, yeah. So it yeah. really it came about because of the pun, because, you know, Airbus make planes. Yeah. Um, 
And <laughs> it was originally we were thinking of a way. So all the Watch It play team were arriving in London. And it was like, well, how are we going to get them all up from London to Leeds? Especially that they'd have a lot of luggage. There is a, a very little plane that does that journey from Heathrow to Leeds, Bradford. But then it's, it's still yeah. a bit of a pain to get from there to Harrogate. If you've already been traveling for two days. Yeah, um, sure. And I know Rodney had done it a few years ago at Essen. There was a travel company that put on this whole thing to go around where they went around Germany and visited some of the castles of Madkin Ludwig and various things like that. Oh, amazing. There's some lovely castles in Germany. Yeah. I yeah, haven't been to Germany for many years, but yeah, I visited some amazing castles. Yeah. And, and I don't know why. Something just, it was probably the pun. And I just thought, oh, what if they went on an Airbus? And then we started to think about it and found out that there is people that do these VIP buses where they have tables, that, you know, every four seats are around a table. And I thought, oh, that could be cool. And just started speaking to some people like Nick at the Ludacrist. And um, mm. we already knew some people at uh, Warhammer World and thought, well, we could put together like a little trip. Um, it was originally designed that it was people that would be traveling internationally that would also be coming into London as a way for them to kind of get up to Leeds, uh, up to Harrogate, sorry. But then we found some people actually started up here, you know, I heard of someone going from, I think, Huddersfield or Halifax, and they actually got the train or the, the bus down <laughs> to London and then <laughs> came back up on the Airbus. So. <laughs> I mean, I, I was vaguely tempted if, if you, like, did it next year, it would be to, like, go, like fly down to or fly or train down to <laughs> London from Edinburgh and get the bus back up. <laughs> But yeah, I'll pr- probably drive down there. Actually, I'll probably train down next year. Try not to, yeah. try not to like you know burn the planet while I'm doing it yeah. as much as possible. But yeah, no, the Airbus sounds amazing. A fantastic idea. Um, Bez's uh, chat with Mark is linked in our lecture theatre. I'll also share that on our socials uh, when that goes out. I'll share. I'll put that in uh, the show notes for the cast as well, Bez, when this goes out, so that people can go and look at that fantastic uh are there any more questions before we wrap this up folks i think we're done awesome okay well thanks very much for coming along mark uh really really pleased to have you back on the cast again lovely to chat to to you about aircon and yeah i am absolutely planning to make it down next year i'm hoping for a few scottish folk coming down i think jamie's maybe going to come along right uh richard who's in the audience from we're not wizards is um thinking about going as well so only have a bit of a scottish contingent will kilt up and come down and invade Ericon. <laughs> that'd be great like a little as you know they have the vikings at, um at games expo yeah maybe we could have a little scottish clan camped out somewhere <laughs> yeah we'll bring our haggis and everything you know all, all those things that we def- definitely have and are absolutely real yeah we'll try and get mel gibson yeah. over you know an authentic scottish yeah. celebrity <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely well We'll chat a little bit more after we've wrapped up here, but for now, we're going to wrap up the cast part of this. Uh, so thanks very much for everyone for coming along tonight and having a listen. Thanks very much for to my guest, Mark Cook. And uh, we'll be doing another one of these in May, where we'll have Frank West on from City of Games to talk about uh, production and game design. So that should be excellent. I haven't quite got a date for that yet, but we'll have a, an event up for that in the Lecture Theatre soon. Thanks very much, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thank you.